Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. Welcome to church. It is good to come out of all that we've been in this week to come and offload some of the things we've been carrying this week and to stand under the waterfall of truth that God loves us, that God is for us. Um, God is right now um, with Jesus preparing a place for us. And, and I want you to remember that God loves you today, not at all based on your behavior, but on the fact that he chose to love you and that he looks upon you with grace. And uh, for those of you who believe in Jesus, he sees in you the righteousness of Christ. So when God looks at you, he doesn't shake his head in disappointment. When God looks at you, he doesn't see a long track record of, of inconsistency or failure. That if you're a believer in Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not because you've done anything, but because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross for God and for us. I'm so glad you're with us today. We are um, working on a series called Search, and we've got this screen uh, up here with the, the idea of, of what should I do, and we often find ourselves facing decisions, and big decisions and small decisions, and for the last couple of Sundays, we've been walking through how do we make godly decisions. We explored the biblical concept of discernment, and the Bible says that, that discernment is one of those things that you, you grow and you train yourself in and understanding. And we looked at this definition together, this idea that discernment is a faith skill using intellect and prayer to examine the spiritual and practical factors in a decision. It's when you take a look at, hey, what's God want for me here? And then what are the real world situations going on in this decision? Should I go left? Should I go right? Should I take this job or not take this job? Should I marry this person or not marry this person? What is God leading me in in a process called discernment? It's a biblical idea where we don't just fearfully guess and take a leap. And we don't step forward as if we know the secret plans of God in some kind of arrogance. But we go through a process so that we can make God-honoring wise decisions. Last Sunday, we spent time uh, in some theological um, concepts, this idea of God's will. And we looked at, first of all, God's revealed will, that God has expectations and preferences and requirements declaring what is right and acceptable for how we live in relationship to each other and to God. We've talked about how God has, has revealed that, a lot of that in this book that we have. He has said, this is my preference for marriage. This is my preference for how you conduct yourself. This is the way I want it to go for this, that, and the other. God has declared what is right and acceptable. And sometimes when you're trying to make a decision, should I go left? Should I go right? Is this the time? Is this not the time? Should I change? Should I not change? In these situations, should I take this college or go to that college. When you've got those moments, a lot of times you can go to God's revealed will and it can help you in your process of discernment. But we also looked at God's unrevealed will and stood in the truth that God has a grand design for how the story of creation begins, unfolds, and completes. And it is arranged to satisfy his preferences and to accomplish his 
purposes. God has an unrevealed will. There are things that God is working on that you and I don't know about. There are ways that God is weaving your story and my story and her story and his story all together for his eternal purposes. And it would just fry our brains to even try to comprehend it. But God has a plan. The world is not in chaos. Our God is on his throne Our God is holding all things together, and you and I cannot comprehend it. But one day we'll see him. One day we'll be with him. And one day we'll all have a collective, oh, that's what you are up to? That's glorious. And it will be. But where we talked about God's unrevealed will last week was, in terms of making decisions, let's not attach all sorts of fear and tension and stress to decisions as if we need to discover God's unrevealed will because God is not asking you to struggle with what he's not planning to reveal. Sometimes when you make a decision, you've got this thought in your mind. And maybe you grew up with these understandings of God's will. Oh my gosh, I've got these two options. I can go to this college or that college. And one of them is God's will and one of them is not. That's talking about his unrevealed will. And God has not invited you to stress and struggle. Jesus did not die and rise again for you to live in fear. And God is not cruel. And he is not hiding his leadership in your life. So God's unrevealed will, there is a grand plan, but very rarely, unless you're Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Moses, he rarely gives us the details. So we trust him in a process of discernment. Today, we're walking through in the third and actually the final part of this series, and we're going to get super practical this morning. This is really just practical teaching. I'm going to walk you through these six things in a process of discernment, a real practical, real-world process of discernment. And Lord willing, this could serve you both now and also for the rest of your days. This can fit for situations of high school students getting ready to go to college or uh, someone who's dating and thinking about getting engaged or somebody who's in a job and wondering if it's time to change or if you're whatever decision it is that you're facing right now, trying to, to figure out what to do with your aging parent, trying to figure out how to handle circumstances as a parent with your children and make decisions for them. All of these things hopefully can fit and help and serve you. And that's really what we want to be about today. We're a people of hope. And we're trying to hand out hope and help as much as we can. And I'm so concerned that people have been living under something other than grace. And they've been afraid. They've been afraid of God in making decisions. They've been afraid of themselves in making decisions. And I believe God wants to give us these practical helps to make some God-honoring decisions. Now, as we talk about decisions today, just remember, we're talking about things that are pretty good size, right? Everybody knows this logo right here. This, this company right here is, is Starbucks, just in case you weren't up to speed on that. Um, it's, it's pretty much all over the world right now. And Starbucks is one of those places where when you go in, you have to make some decisions if you're going to order, unless you're, you know, one of those, I just want a black coffee and you got to make a few decisions. You need to know what size you want. And they don't just have small, medium, and large. They have tall, grande, venti, 
Trenta, yeah, my wife knows that. She gets tea in the Trenta size, which is basically, Trenta means like four gallons. I think that's what that means. <laughs> but you, they've got the size, and then it's like caffeinated or decaf, and do you want you know, cream in that, or do you want um, non-fat milk, or do you want soy milk? Um, do you want whipped cream on that? Do you want all those kind of things? You've, you've got all these decisions to make. I, I don't think you need these six steps in a process of discernment to order something at Starbucks. I think you can probably figure that out. You probably don't need a six-step process of discernment to know that you don't need to send your child to the University of Alabama. <laughs> you probably, okay, easy, easy, those of you. Alabama fans in there. Easy, easy. Just seeing if you're listening. We make these simple decisions. Should I take Memorial today or should I go on broad or should I avoid Thompson or should I try to cross the freeway? Well, it depends on what time of day it is. I don't need a six-step process to figure out a decision in that moment. But there are these bigger ones. And I want to take a minute today to remind you of a couple of things before we launch into these six. These are, this is very important. The first one is this. God is not mad at you for the way you've been living your life and you have not disqualified yourself from his guidance in your life. You have not disqualified yourself from his guidance in your life. You, you might be sitting there and go, but, but, but you don't know what I've done lately or, or you don't know what I did last year or you don't know what I did when I was 19 or you don't know what I did last night. Here's what I know. Your relationship with God is not based on your behavior. It's based on what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He did not look at you and find you acceptable. He declared you to be acceptable in the name of Jesus. And if you have sinned lately, like I have sinned lately, and if you've sinned repeatedly, like I've sinned repeatedly in my life, just as, as, just as you have, you have not disqualified yourself from the guidance of God. If you come to him as you face a decision, do not think, oh, I can't ask of him. I've ruined it. God's mad at me. There's no way I could get his help and discernment. No, you come into his presence as a son of or a daughter of the Most High God with all the rights and privileges and access in that reality. You're his child. If you've sinned, you need to repent of that sin, true? If you've sinned, you need to walk away from it and live differently, it's true. But if you're wondering, man, I, I, there's no hope for me because I've sinned, I, God, God won't help me, he will. He is eager to be a good shepherd in your life, to lead you to still waters and green pastures, to lead you to places where there is life. So don't think you've disqualified yourself if you've been sinful. If you go to the Lord and say, lead me and help me, he will. Not based on what you've done, but on who Jesus is. The second thing I want to say to this morning before we launch into these six steps is I want to speak for a moment to the gifted people in the room, to the hard chargers in the room, to the type A quick decision makers in the room. 
to those who are quite self-sufficient and intuitive in most situations. Be on your guard. Because if you're not careful, you will rely on your quick thinking, on your intuitive nature, and you'll just blow right past praying about your decisions, blow right past considering what God might want. You'll blow right past because you think you've figured it out and you see it. Be on your guard, gifted ones. Be on your guard, quick thinking ones. Be on your guard because the enemy would love nothing more for you to live your life in your own strength, in your own wisdom. Every one of us needs this. This isn't just for the people who struggle with being decisive. This isn't just for the people who struggle with with knowing how to make a decision when it's time to make a decision. This is for all of us. Because we don't want to be people of our own perspective. We want to be people who follow Jesus and lean in to follow the way of God. So with all of that to begin with, let's dive in this morning to these six super practical elements of teaching today about steps of discernment. Number one, the first step is to search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. So basically... What I'm asking is, has God already said something about one of your options? Has God already said something about one of your options? This is a process you can go through. Step one, I'm going to search the scriptures. I've got these a couple options here. Well, okay, I'm taking a new job maybe. I'm I'm looking at this job over here and let's see, I wonder if God has said anything about either of these two jobs. Well, I had this interview and it was kind of interesting and fine and it was good and I had this other interview for a job and it was good and it was kind of fine and I've kind of asked some of the people in that workplace and one of the things that that the boss kind of is known for there is kind of asking people to fudge their reports a little bit and kind of fudge their numbers a little bit, I can step back as a believer in Jesus and kind of go, you know what? I don't even have to think real hard about that. To live that life would be contrary to what God's already revealed in his will about how I'm to be a person of integrity and honesty and truth. So God's revealed will in the scriptures has already helped me make this decision. Has God already spoken about, has God already established boundaries related to one of your options? Maybe you're a young guy or a young girl and you're like, I would really like to date that person. But they don't know Jesus. Has God already set some boundaries? Has God already spoken about that in his revealed will that would help me. I'm going to search the scriptures. I'm not just going to go and make my decisions on my own. I'm going to search the scriptures. It's the first step in a discernment process. And yes, the Bible talks about that you and I are not to be connected, to join our lives, uh, the the language in the scriptures, to not be unequally yoked with someone uh, who's pulling in a different direction, with someone who is not under the same Lord and leader that you are. You're not to get married to someone who is not a Christian. And young people, if you're not supposed to marry someone who's not a Christian, then don't date somebody who's not a Christian. You shouldn't be in a serious dating relationship with somebody unless you could see yourself marrying them potentially someday. So God's revealed will, God has already established some boundaries about our options. What are the decisions you're facing? Has God spoken to those already in his word? 
Your decision could actually be simplified if God's already spoken about it in the scriptures. See, we're, we're looking to figure out which way seems best, not the pressure-filled. Remember from week one, you can go listen to that if you missed it. Not the pressure-filled, I'm squinting my eyes, I'm so afraid to make a decision. I don't know what, because if I make the right one, then everything's great. If I make the wrong one, boom. We're searching not for the right or wrong, but we're searching what, God, what seems best, how God's leading. And in doing that, we want to make sure that that we don't just move right past what God's already revealed. You can attempt to make a good decision, but something can be wrong if it violates God's will. Number two, the second step in this is that you would check your motives. Check your motives. Number two, check your motives. We all know this, if we've lived a little bit, some of the decisions we like can lead us to good places and some of them that we make can take us to bad places, true? Even little decisions can have big consequences. Check your motives in the options. What's at the bottom of your reason for wanting that? Some of our decisions can be made from a place of selflessness, and some of them can be made from a position of selfishness. They can be things where we follow the way of the Lord and it leads to really good things. <laughs> things that come from produced by the Holy Spirit as fruit of the Spirit. And we can follow the ways of the flesh and we'll reap those rewards as well. I want you to look at a scripture passage with me in Galatians chapter 6. It'll come up on your screen here uh, in front of you. Galatians 6, we have something really kind of got a sharp edge to it here. And Paul says, do not be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And this is an, an analogy that Paul's using about sowing seed. And you sow the seed in the ground and after a while it's going to germinate. It's going to come up and spring up and produce fruit. He says, a man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh will from, from the flesh they will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So the point here is that we're checking our motives. Why do I want to go to this college? Why do I want to make this decision about my child? Why do I want to make this decision about this relationship? Why do I want to make this move? Why? What's at the bottom of my heart? Is it only a selfish reason? Am I just gratifying and serving my flesh? I can't answer that question. I'm challenging you. I'm training you. I'm teaching you to ask that question. I'm checking my motives Friends, I'd love for us to go to a point in our decision makings as we're talking about motives where we say words like this. My reasons are, instead of using language like, well, I feel or I just want this. I just want it. Well, here are my reasons. I've thought about it in my motives. And I would remind you today that some options are opportunities and some options are temptations. Some options are opportunities 
And some options are temptations. So what do we do? We want to please the Lord in all of our lives, in the way that we live, so we check our motives. Is this an opportunity or is this a temptation? So practical steps of discernment. Practical, I'm going to search the scriptures. Second, I'm I'm going to check my motives. Third, I'm going to pray for guidance. I'm going to pray for guidance. I'm going to spend quality time in prayer over a certain days or weeks, however long it takes, that that you're going to spend time genuinely praying for this. Even to the next level, I'm going to invite other people to pray with me and equip them, invite them, saying, hey, listen, I've got this decision in front of me. I don't know what to do with my parent who is now 86 years old, and I'm not sure if they can live on their own anymore. I'm not sure if it's time to put them in a facility where they can get some help all the time. I am real. this is weighing heavily on me for this, so I'm trying to go through a process. I've looked in the scriptures. There's nothing about assisted living in the scriptures. (laughs) But there is something about honor your father and mother. I've looked at that and I've prayed through that. And I've I've tried to think about my motives. Well, why do I want this or why do I want that option? And, And now I'm really just trying to bathe this in prayer. So would you pray for me about this? Here's what I've got. Here's what I need to make the decision. Go, pray, please join with me. Go to the Father with me on this. Please help me in this. Pray that God would guide me. So you pray, get other people praying And while you're at it, pray strategically. Pray strategically. What do your prayers sound like? Make sure that when you're asking about a decision, you could go left, you could go right. You could go to this school, you could go to that school. You could go forward in that relationship or get out of that relationship. Make sure that you're bringing a little bit of the Garden of Gethsemane prayer into the moment. You remember that prayer with Jesus when, before he was turned in and rested. He, he was there praying and he was on his knees and, and sweating drops of blood in this agonizing moment. And he said to the father, oh, father, if there's any way for this cup to pass me by, let's go that way. And what he was talking about was the cup of God's wrath. Because let's be reminded today that God didn't just wave off our sin. God didn't just say, oh, never mind. I don't care about sin. Sin was paid for in full. And what you and I deserved to be poured out on us, Jesus drank it all down. He drank the cup of God's wrath for the guilt of my sin and yours. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood, he's in this moment, and he's thinking about this cup that he's going to have to drink on the cross. And by the way, the nails were terrible, and the, the suffocation that was going on from his body hanging on the, on the cross was terrible, but it was nothing compared to the judgment of God for sin poured out on him. So Jesus prayed, if there's any way that this cup could pass me by, let's do that. But do you remember? Nevertheless, say it with me, not my will, but yours. Make sure there's a little bit of that Garden Gethsemane prayer in all of your prayer step in your decision making. 
Lord, I'm leaving this out in front of you. I'm holding it with open hands. I'm coming to you humble and willing and surrendered. And I'm saying, Lord, I've got this option. I've got this option. Man, this option over here looks really, really, really good. And this option over here looks kind of really good. So, but I'm kind of leaning over here. This one looks even better. I think this, this is amazing. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours. I don't want to go my way. I want to go your way. Pray strategically in that way. Some of you may need a little help in this, and I would encourage you just as an exercise to write out your prayers. Maybe you have a journal, or maybe it's just a spiral notebook, or maybe it's on a a little card. This isn't to show to anybody, but this is just for you. Because sometimes when you take the time to write it out, when you do that, it causes you to think about, what am I really asking for? How am I going to God about this? Am I really seriously praying? So maybe that would be helpful to you to write out your prayers. All this morning's about is a process of discernment, understanding that God's got a grand unrevealed plan and God's already revealed his will and preferences and acceptable and not acceptable in here. We're trying to discern, so we're going to search the scriptures We're going to check our motives. We're going to pray for guidance. Number four, here's the fourth step in a process of discernment. This is where you seek wise counsel. Seek wise counsel. One of the greatest blessings in your life is the church family around you. A boatload of you are in community groups right now. And if you're not in one, I'd encourage you to to get involved in a group so that you can go deeper into spiritual Christian friendships and where you can study the Bible with a group of people, but also have a group of people who've got your back. And if the bottom falls out of your world, they will surround you and love you and hold you up while you're not so strong. One of the best benefits in your life is the the great wisdom around you. There's some people in this room who love Jesus. They just ooze Jesus. There's some people in your life that they've seen some stuff. They've been through some stuff with Jesus. There's some people that you really respect their relationship with God. And my challenge, my encouragement to you is that you would seek wise counsel when you're facing one of these decisions. Humble yourself and welcome the feedback and input from your family of faith. Humble yourself. I want you to look at this passage in Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says this, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Young people, if you want to be wise, seek wise counsel. Stop trying to prove that you can do it on your own. Stop trying to to think that you're all self-sufficient. Stop trying to 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 show everybody that you don't need any help and that you're strong. It is not weakness to ask for feedback and assistance. It's called being family together. And the Bible's telling us that the wise listen to advice. I encourage you to seek counsel from more than one source, that you could go to parents, you could go to church leaders, you could go to godly friends, you could go people who know you best 
Go to more than one person and say, hey, here's, what, here's the deal. Here's my decision. Here are my options. Here's what I've thought about. And I've searched the scriptures. Do you know anything else in the scriptures that I may not know? And I've prayed about this. And I pray, is there any way I haven't prayed about this that you can think of that I should be praying about this? You're, you're asking for their assistance in your process of discernment. And young people, specifically teenagers and college students specifically, I want to encourage you to remember that the command of the Bible to honor your father and mother does not expire until you get married in terms of seeking their counsel and listening to their counsel. Let me unpack that a little bit. So when the Bible says honor your father and mother, what that word honor means is it means give weight to them. That they carry more weight in your life than your friends do, than what you found on Google. They carry more weight in your life than what the trends are. They carry more weight in your life to what your favorite, you know, Instagram preacher quoted. They carry more weight in your life because God's, God has put them in your life. And we're stipulating that these are parents who know Jesus and love Jesus. You need to give more weight to their words and their input. Well, how long does that last? You should honor your father and mother till the day you die. But you need to consider yourself in a position of obedience to your father and mother until you begin a new family. Until you take on a new family and getting married yourself. So until that day, you definitely need to be in a position of seeking counsel from your parents. Oh, my parents don't understand today's uh, generation. They don't understand. Yes, they do. And God's put them in your life for a reason. Humble yourself, young people. And say to your mom or to your dad, hey, I've got this in front of me. What, what do you think? What do you see that I may not see? What do you think I should consider that I may not have considered yet? Seek wise counsel. Seeking wise counsel is a part of a discernment process. But young people, it's also not a shortcut. Don't ask your parent to make your decision for you. Ask them to give you counsel as you grow in the Lord in discerning. Seek wise counsel. One of the ways you can go to others about this with the decision you're facing is not to ask them, hey, which one's right? So to go this way or that way, which one's right? But to say, because you know me a little bit, which one seems the best fit with what you know of me? Ask their feedback and input. What a beautiful process we're walking through here. We're searching the scriptures. We're not all by ourselves. <laughs> we're checking our motives, make sure we're not falling into a trap of a temptation. We're praying for guidance here. Lord, we're trying to humble and say, we want to do this your way. We want to follow you and be obedient to you. We want to honor you with our lives, Lord. We're seeking wise counsel so we don't miss anything. And so we're, we're trying to be careful and good in all this before we make a decision. And then number five, the next step is to think carefully. Think carefully. Think carefully. Anybody in here like to make pros and cons lists? 
I like to make pro and con lists sometimes. Sometimes they're just in my head. Sometimes they're on paper. Those can be a good thing. And in a good process of godly discernment, you can make a little bit of a pro pro and con list. You can make a kind of an updated pros and cons list uh, if you need to. This is an opportunity for you to, to really sit down and think. So when you do this, this is the moment where you put everything in the blender. I've sought the scriptures. I'm putting that in. I've sought some wise counsel. I'm putting that in. I've really prayed about it. I'm putting that in. I've really spent some time checking my motives. I'm putting that in. Now I'm going to hit puree. That's the button I want. I'm going to hit the button on that blender and I'm going to puree all that up and mix it all up and think carefully because it's almost time to make a decision. I'm going to think carefully in a pros and cons kind of way, and and I'm going to ask myself some questions, and you may want to jot these down, uh, just some questions I'm going to ask myself as I think about discernment. The first question is, what am I saying no to if I choose the other option? What am I saying no to if I choose the other option? It's just a practical, helpful question. What am I saying no to if I choose the other option? Second question How would this choice change my life? How would this choice change my life? If I go this way, how would this change my life? If I go that way, how would this change my life? Thinking this out. God has given you a brain, friends. It's from him. It's of him. Use it. Next question. What do I know about life on the other side of this decision? What do I know about life on the other side of this decision? I think I've done a little research, but maybe I need to do more. Wow, I don't know anything about that company or about that college or about that major at that college or about that person. I need to do some some more legwork. Another question What counsel have I received about this option? What counsel have I received about this option? You put all that in the blender. I'm not going to get God's secret grand blueprint for my life. He's not likely to reveal that. So I'm not going to attach the fear-based thoughts of which one's right and which one's wrong. I'm going to go through a biblical process of discernment. I'm going to search the scriptures, check my motives, I'm going to pray for guidance, I'm going to seek wise counsel, and then I'm going to think carefully about all those things leading up to number six, the last one, make a decision. Make a decision. At some point, at some point, you've got to make a decision. You've humbly approached the decision with godly intent to discern which is best and how God seems to be guiding you and leading you as best as you can understand it. You have done your homework. You've spent some time. You've really been thoughtful. You've been really careful and intentional. Now make a choice. Not with fear, but with confidence. This seems to be the way God's leading, and I'm going to step forward into this right now. As you make these decisions, I challenge you to 
let the calendar help you. So if, you, if you've got a decision about a college and you're not sure where to go, when's the deadline for applications? Well, that's December 5th. Okay, that's when you have to make your decision. So stress leading to tears in July is unnecessary. Let the calendar help you. I don't have to make my decision until December 5th. I don't have to have my application in until December 5th. So I got more time to pray. I got more time to seek wise counsel. I got more time to think carefully. I got more time to walk through a process of discernment. I'm not saying you wait till December 4th. But I'm saying you let the calendar help you instead of being stress-filled about this. What am I going to do about this situation with my parents? Well, when do you have to decide? Well, I have to make a decision next Thursday. Well, plan on making a decision next Wednesday. But up until then, you've got time to think about it. You don't have to make the decision right now. So let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let the calendar give you a sense of freedom before you have to make the final decision. Remember that God is with you as you live your life. He is for you. I want to look at this last thought here on the screen this morning. In the absence of specific divine instructions, go to the University of Alabama. Do not go to the University of Texas. Instead of specific divine instruction, Mary got a real peek into what God's plan was before Jesus was born. Moses got a peek into what God was going to do in ending his life and not letting him go into the promised land. But it's not likely that you and I are going to get specific divine instruction. So God's not asking us to struggle with what he isn't planning to reveal. So in the absence of that, God has blessed you with a heart and with a mind to make wise and God-honoring decisions. You can do this with other people around you, with your careful examination of the Bible, with your thought about your motives, with your careful analysis of what seems best. God will come around you and lead you. We talked about this last week. God's called us to walk, walk by faith, not guarantees. And so every decision you make has an element of faith in it. And that's right where God wants you. That's where the good stuff is. Trusting God. Do I know that this decision I'm about to make is part of God's unrevealed grand blueprint? No, I don't. But I have been intentional to walk through a process of discernment and it seems, the best I can tell, this seems like the best decision to make. So I'm going to walk with confidence into this decision. I'm going to decide. As a church, we want to challenge you and encourage you to think deeply about God. We also want to challenge you and encourage you to think deeply about your life with God and how you handle Monday and how you handle graduation and how you handle 
opportunities and how you handle the decisions, the forks in the road as you search for what you need to do. Discernment can help. Let's pray. Right there in your seat, you may be facing a decision right now that's significant. It may be giant. Would you pray specifically about that decision right now? Would you ask God for guidance? Ask God for assistance? Would you tell him, not my will, but yours be done? Maybe you have a friend or a relative who's in the middle of a, a big decision process. Would you pray for them in their situation right now? We want to follow the ways of the Spirit, not of the flesh. We want to be wise. Would you grow us up in discernment? I do pray for freedom for my friends, God. Freedom from fear and anxiety and just being paralyzed in the face of decisions, God, because they're so afraid of blowing up their lives. And help them through this simple process, God. Help them to have peace down deep. I believe you care about our jobs. I believe you care where we go to school. I believe you care about our relationships. So Lord, we're, we're coming to you for those things. Because our feelings will lie to us. And we're easily dazzled by the false promises and temptations in some of these options. We are so vulnerable to making a decision out of our flesh, God. So we just surrender. We submit. We tell you we need you. We need our church family, God. We need our friends. We need wise counsel, Lord. Help us, Lord. And whatever I'm facing today, God, I know is not so big that you can't deal with it. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is too big for you. And so I cast my cares upon you this morning, oh God. I cast my decisions upon you this morning. I know that you've moved mountains. And I believe you can do it again. For you are faithful and good. And all of your ways are right. And we want to live lives that please you. With great faith and trust, Lord, we bring this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.